This is Strange Assembly episode 201, Rescue Run. I'm Chris Stevenson, and here with me today is John Delarose. Hey, Chris. How are you? Hey, I'm all right. And we're here to talk about Rescue Run, and that Rescue Run is you driving the entire length of California to go save stuff from AEG's warehouse, right? Yeah, that was on a whim, and it actually delayed our podcast a little bit because we were trying to coordinate some times, and I didn't even mention this uh, to my publicist, of course. But I wanted to go to AG and see what they had for offer. I, I saw on John Zinzer's feed that, you know, he had some Imperial Edition stuff out there. He had some A Legend of the Burning Sands Awakening, which really, uh, that's, that, that really hits my sweet spot for, for making the drive worth it. And so I left in the middle of the night, went down there, got their first thing. The warehouse had more stuff than I could ever imagine. I, the hall is incredible. I, I posted some pictures on my blog. You know, some of my other friends picked up some crazy Clan Wars stuff, if you want to go way back. <laughs> so what we're, we're doing here a little bit is we're going to tie sort of Strange Assembly uh, past and, and hopefully future, and then Strange Assembly present. John is an L5R player from uh, way back. And for those of you who have not been with Strange Assembly the whole time, we started out as just Legend of the Five Rings. And then John is now also involved with a or not involved, involved with Star Realms and has written a, a Star Realms novel. And so that that is sort of our, our past and future. We've got the L5R and then we've got the, the general gaming. And that's what we're going to cover here. This is Strange Assembly. Don't forget to check us out on the web at strangeassembly.com or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. But you can just listen for the closing run for the rest of the, you know, the gobbledygook contact information. So... AEG, which used to publish Legend of the Five Rings and has now sold it to Fantasy Flight. They had at their offices, uh, which are in Ontario, that's that's not super SoCal, but that's down, that counts as SoCal, right? Yeah, they're uh, a little outside of LA, I would say, probably about an hour outside of Los Angeles. So I'd, ca- I'd definitely call it SoCal. It's not, not, not deep SoCal like San Diego or anything. But. And so they, they had some sort of warehouse sale which apparently i mean so this was i didn't know if it was I, all i had you know i'm i'm on the other side of the country so it does me no good i, I wasn't sure if that was going to be like art stuff that they had around the office but it sounds like they also had just like product sitting around from back in the day yeah tons of product i probably picked up i would say 12 13 boxes of l5r product i, I actually picked up a gold edition foil set a Cons Defiance foil set and a Code of Bushido foil set also uh, out of the mix. So this is grossly unfair. I'd ask you how much, but then I might I might just get pissed off at you. I think you'd get pretty mad about that. Uh, he was giving these away at bargain bin prices. These are he's just looking in your bag, going box five bucks, box five bucks. Okay. Oh my god. Sixty for it. Yeah, it was crazy. Oh man, I've got my. I'm almost finished with my document here that lists all the L5R that I don't have, and, and just think of how much I could have filled in in that. I mean, you said something about Imperial, right? I've got some real... That's that's a pain to fill in. Yeah, so I know he set aside that, I believe. There was an Imperial box. I picked up an Obsidian box, 
but Imperial, which is, you know, the same cards pretty much, but, you know, we have some ties to Imperial that make us want that border a little more, even though they're the same cards. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's got a different border on it, so it costs <laughs> five times as much for the same card, right? right? <laughs> but, uh, so I think he set that aside. He, I know he's going to do some auctions, from what I understand, of stuff that he set aside and stuff that didn't sell. But you know what? Uh, after we're done here, uh, shoot me your list, and uh, I'll see what I got that I can help you out with. <laughs> it's still a pretty long list. I don't know. <laughs> I'm at about 4,000 cards away from a complete set of everything. And uh, that doesn't... I mean, that sounds like an absurd amount that I shouldn't even mention, but uh, as far as Alphagar goes, that's, that's pretty darn good. I decided, are you aiming for a complete set or a complete play set? Great question. <laughs> You know, I, I think I'm doing complete playset for... It depends on the edition. Like, I'd like a nice playset of Imperial. And I, I don't count Obsidian as being different than Imperial for in terms of playset goes, because uh, I can use those cards equally as well. I think I'd also want a complete of Samurai Edition and probably Celestial. So those were my three favorite eras. I have this sort of set out in my own documentation as... Like, what would I need for a playset? I think once I'm finally done with it and, and post it up and start trying to actively fill it, I think I'm really only going to aim for set to begin with. Because this, all right, what this what this is going to do is go in a binder so I can pretend that I'm going to go back and look at the, the pretties later while I'm, like, really playing the Final Fantasy version. That's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> and I am playing Final Fantasy TCG right now also. So I'm big into CCGs, TCGs. This is... Uh... This is this is definitely my wheelhouse. I, when I, I said Final Fantasy, I mean Fantasy Flight version, but uh, oh darn! <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, L5R was the my, this was my plan, and I really hope I stick to it. Was that L5R is the end of collectible for me? That that was that was the last, and I just it's just so easy to get sucked in and right and shell out a bunch, and it's a lot easier to justify in the LCG format. Nothing feels better than cracking packs and getting a cool foil or something, though. I mean, I'm, I'm just opening packs last night. I was opening up uh, Soul of the Empire, you know, just in my hotel room and going over those again. And, it was, you know, it's so much more fun than cracking one of those LCG packs, i got to tell you. When if somebody was selling me Soul of the Empire booster boxes for $5, I would open them, too. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, did they have anything cool that wasn't just product or i mean was it literally warehouse stuff oh yeah i mean they, they had their little clan bracelets that that they were passing out and uh they, they had those big mugs that you know those giant yeah 7-eleven gas size mugs oh my god they got a bunch of those laying around too still they got a bunch of those laying around too i grabbed a unicorn clan watch i've got that now i'm gonna support that and be pretty awesome what else do they have they had Dice of all sorts that were not not the production dice that they, they sent out, but beautifully beautiful dice. Grabbed a bunch of those. They had printing plates for the cards that, that I didn't pick them up, and I know somebody else did. It was just so much crazy stuff that was very cool. If you're uh, if you just want to have a full closet full of stuff that's useless. Maybe what I should have done was just found somebody who lives down in in LA and be like, can you go over there and just. You know, call me on the phone and grab all the stuff I tell you to. We'll we'll, we'll sort out the shipping later. <laughs> yeah, I had a bunch of friends who made requests if I found certain stuff. And, uh, you know, they had, a, they had a pile of Seventh Sea and Doomtown, Legend of the Burning Sands, and 
I, I collected all those as well, and so and a lot of my friends do also. So I made I made out with a crazy amount of product. I got to tell you, it's interesting. I wonder how much of that is going to. Uh go into people's personal stashes and how much is going to be people going, well, how cheap is this now that I'm here? Maybe I'll pick up some for eBay. <laughs> I actually picked up a couple cool collector's RPG items. They had the original first edition leather-bound one-of-a-thousand core books that were signed by all the people back in the day. And uh, so I picked that up, and I and uh, I also picked up, he had a Deadlands book that was the original collector's edition also. And so Zinzer looked at me when I, when I picked them up and he said, you're not going to eBay these, are you? Because my price is going to be different if you're going to eBay them. And I said, I promise you I'm not eBaying these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I would not mind mind having that. I, I, I just have normal first edition books, not like the leather-bound clan books or or anything like that. But uh, that would be nice. I was going to say, like, I guess if... Uh, if if Cool Mini or not sells all their stuff, maybe they'll have a warehouse sale. They're here in Atlanta. <laughs> not the same thing. Okay, so John Zinder's a jerk for not moving his stuff across the country so I can buy it. That's that's the first thing we've established in this. So you have the Star Realms novel coming out. That's uh, Rescue Run, which is actually where the title of this episode came from. And... We really like Star Realms here. We we made it our game of the year, and I think it was 2013 when it came out. So, how did you get involved with uh, with Star Realms? Yeah, I I had a um, a friend who kickstarted it on the original print run, and he just brought it into our game shop one day, and I just started playing with him, and I thought, wow, this is awesome. So I got really involved in the community, and I started talking with the creators and all that, and. I, I've written three other novels before this, and this is my first one that's actually been sold. And uh, so I, I told them my ideas for expanding their universe and getting a book out there, and they picked it up, and it's uh, set to come out November 15th. So if this com- comes out after that, it, it will already be out. If it's come out before that, check it out. So is reading Rescue Run going to make me actually pay attention to the names on the the cards in the... In the game, because I, I have to admit, I, I don't necessarily do that. Yeah, I, the good news with for me as a writer is that the flavor was a bit light in the game. You've got names like Viper and Scout and Dreadnought, and just, just things that you'd expect to see in as, as classes of ships in any science fiction. So I could really expand upon what I wanted. Now, for me, you know, I'm big into flavor and big into RPGs, so I see these pictures of these beautiful ships, and I'm just, you know, positing space battles in my head. So yeah, I think so. I mean, we've got we've got a lot of name drops to different cards, different especially when the heroes came out, it added a little personal element dynamic to the game and I think uh I, I tried to incorporate those as best I could as well. Like I mentioned you and I mentioned that right. So this is the first time that I've done an interview that's about a novel rather than a game. So I usually have lots of meaty questions I can I can try to get into with a game about mechanics and stuff like that. I don't have that so much with a, a a novel. I think the closest I've gone is is reviewing Dungeonology to a a non game product, which is a recent D and D book. So let me ask the the super generic thing is what what is it that you other than it's set in Star Realms? Would you want people to to know about the novel? The you know I mean the the plot or or why somebody would want to go get it other than Star Realms is nifty. Sure, it's an awesome book. I gotta say. <laughs> 
Rescue Run is about a former military operative that's turned thief who is contracted by her government to rescue one of her government's greatest military strategists. And so that weaves with a story of a manager of a mega corporation in sort of a cyberpunk manner who sees bad living and working conditions all around, and he determines to make a change for the better. So eventually they intersect, as you can imagine, and it's fast-paced with a lot of good action and intrigue in it. That's sort of my pitch for the novel, I guess. It's uh, definitely for the science fiction or space opera or military science fiction aficionado. If you like the game, too, you get a lot of Easter eggs in it. That helps for that. Uh, yeah. Green, the blob, that's some sort of alien. Red is mostly machines, right? Are these are, are these characters located in yellow or blue? <laughs> it's mostly set in the yellow, which is the Star Empire, and the blue, which is the Trade Federation. What I wanted to do was to focus on the human element as much as I could, because if you read a story about alien blobs from their perspective, uh, it might, might get a little rough in terms of reading, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I do make sure there there is a machine element to it and a blob element to it that, that drives a lot of the plot. And I, I want to expand upon those in future books once I've established the world. And that's what this was intended to do, is establish the world. So hopefully, if all goes well, I'll get to do at least one or two more of these to really flesh out all of the factions and get it uh, so that you, know, you can see a big picture of everything that's happening in Star Realms. Do you know what your starting distribution on this is? I mean, I'm assuming people can get it on Amazon. Is it going through hobby chains or through, you know, you'd go to Barnes & Noble or? Amazon, barnesandnoble.com. It'll be available, I think, on the White Wizard Game Store website. They, they've got a small website where they sell some product. I mean, I'll, I'll be in a few shops in Northern California, of course, uh, for game stores. And, of course, if any game stores want them, uh, they can contact my publisher and arrange it through those channels also, but, it, but mostly online. That's okay. I, uh, Amazon owns my life or something like that. I don't know, or at least half the stuff in my, my uh, house came from there. I don't know. Do people actually go to stores anymore? I, I, I didn't realize that. Yes, yes. Used bookstores, I think, still work out pretty well. Yeah. Well, you need to keep this in your collection and not send this to a, a used bookstore. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mostly buy things from used bookstores. Not gonna, but uh, I, you find some uh, some surprising things, or especially you can get things that are not actually books. Sometimes I feel a little bad, like I'm I'm kind of cheating. Like I uh, I actually went to a bookstore this morning, and so the the biggest thing I bought was a copy of The War of the Ring, which I'm pretty sure is not a book. There are books, of course, but this is like a giant board game. I'm like, oh, how much did I pay for that? $22? Yeah, that works out. Yeah, well, I won't lie. I go, to, I go to used bookstores to try to hunt down copies of old games like that also. It's, <laughs> it's become the new, it's the new thrift store, I guess. It, yes, yes. I, you know, I know like on BGG, they have that, there's, there's a thread that's up every week. Your thrift store bargain finds, I think I found like one quote-unquote real game ever at a thrift store. Like a copy of the Fantasy Flight Warcraft back when they actually had that Ooh, license. Nice. But other than that, it's like, ah, I don't know. I don't really need more copies of Trivial Pursuit. Thanks, guys. Oh, there, there's one other place. Um, next week, I'm actually flying to Boston for the White Wizard Games Fair, which is their first convention game fair that they're running. And they're running 
$100,000 tournament for Epic. They're running a bunch of Hero Realms and Star Realms tournaments. And so I'm going to be signing books there next weekend, which is the 18th and 19th of November. You're going to be there for my birthday. So you have a drink for me. I will. <laughs> so when you, if you're, you're traveling to, across the country to Boston for the game fair, do you, do you have to spend the whole day signing books or do you actually get to play in anything too? Or are you not eligible to play in things now? Is it like one of those, not that you're an employee, but like contractors are not allowed to participate in the tournaments? No, I, I, I very much intend on participating in the tournaments. And if they tell me not to, I'm going to, I'm going to scream and shout about it. I, I love playing Star Realms and that's half the fun of this, I would imagine. No, I, I intend on signing for about an hour or two a day and hanging out with people from the Star Realms community. I'd like to do probably a Periscope broadcast just to show everybody what the game fair is about and how cool it is. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be... And then I'm going to hit the bars. <laughs> for your birthday. I hear video is a thing these days. We have no plans to actually do it here at Strange Assembly because we're lame. But, you know, I hear people like it. I've just been starting to experiment with it the last couple weeks. I've been doing some unboxings of... Uh, what, did, what did I unbox? It was Flare TCG cards. I'm, I'm big into the TCGs, i got to tell you. Okay, now you, then, th- uh, this is this is how bad I am. The, the what TCG? Flare Star Trek TCG. i got to... Uh, I, I, I omitted a big detail there. Oh, okay. And this was... Let's <laughs> <laughs> say Flare. Was, I mean, that's a company. Is there any what? Yes. <laughs> it was from 1994, and for whatever reason, I just turned it on Periscope, hashtag CCG, and said I'm unboxing it. 20, 30 people tuned in, you know, as I, as I was filming it. And that was, that was kind of crazy. Uh, so I guess there is, I guess there is a market for these old games. One well, knows enough of the Decipher Star Trek CCG sitting in my closet still. I gotta say, that was my favorite game when I was growing up. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I, it was, it was strange. I, I went to Worlds like three years in a row and then I just stopped. It's like I had somehow reached some point where I was, I had closure. And uh, that was that. Uh. I never played it competitively. I, it didn't seem like it'd make for a great competitive game. It was, you know, such solitaire element to it. It, you know, and the setup was painful. So I, I mean, I enjoyed playing it with friends, but I don't know that I would have gone further than that. Yeah, the, you know, I I played the Decipher Star Trek CCG a lot. It had some massive issues as a game. Like whoever starting with the the notion of everything is either free or the one thing you play for the entire turn that made it essentially impossible to actually balance cards. Balance was terrible. It was uh, it, it got ugly. And the Decipher Star Wars CCG had some significant issues as well. I mean, those... I played both of those games a lot, but those games really relied heavily on their IPs to, yes. to keep them going. What was interesting is they were really cool concepts. I mean, whereas most TCGs, CCGs, LCGs are, I'm battling you in some regard, and I'm either trying to score points or do damage to you or whatnot. They had very, you know, with the whole concept of Star Wars being you had to deck your opponent, and the whole Star Star Trek was you're trying to score points by doing missions, which was a solitaire sort of setup. They had very unique concepts originally, but they just went way too far and trying to come out with sets way too fast just to melt these IPs. They had some stretches where they uh, they, they didn't have a lot of stuff. I guess I never, I never felt like they were blowing out expansions that much. I mean, 
Star Wars did right at the end because they were they knew their license was gone and so they were or it was going to be gone and they were just trying to get out everything they had in their pipeline before it evaporated. But yeah, yeah, it, they they did embody some things about their their IPs that were interesting and they were yeah they were doing different things at and at a time when CCGs were really new. Mm-hmm. You know these did not come out that long after after Magic, so it's not like the thing like like there are things that if I see a like a card game do now, just drive me crazy because it's like you should know better. You, yes, you know, <laughs> I, we have different uh, standards now for sure. I mean the gaming industry is mature versus, you know, they're, they're, but at the same time they, they were allowed to experiment a lot more back then, which is kind of neat. I mean. You would never have a game now like Star Trek where, you, I mean, you literally had four or five different side decks going. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> uh, yes, that did get a little, but that didn't even start that way. That right, yeah, you had the, yeah, the first expansion, alternate universe. You had the AU cards, then you had the the Q continuum cards. There were a bunch of that. I, I'm, I'm some of that. I'm thinking is more ground level stuff. See, that's that's more like experimental design, whereas not realizing that you're not going to be able to make cards properly if you don't have costs on them. Right. <laughs> is more of a... Well, I mean, we we saw L5R. L5R suffered from that, too. Obviously not to the extent that Star Trek did, but strategy cards in L5R, for the most part, just cost zero. Yes. It's hard to have a diversity of power levels when everything has the same cost. It is, but, uh, you know, interestingly, I mean, back to White Wizard Games and next week with the... Uh, White Wizard Games Fair, where I'll be. I mean, they, they've got Epic TCG. Or it's not a TCG. It was it was for a bit. But they've got it as a, a pack sort of thing that you buy, and it just is magic, basically, but with no costs. They have binary costs. You've got zero costs, which you just play for free. You've got one cost, and they, they've got a whole game structured around that, and it honestly feels almost more balanced than Magic the Gathering, I would say. That's right, actually, now that, now that you mentioned I hadn't thought about it in those terms. It does have that sort of Star Trek cost structure where it's either your turn or it's not. Yeah. But that's they've certainly done much better designing that than, I, I mean, as far as the balance of that goes. I, I mean, I'm I'm still honestly not a... I really love Star Realms. I Epic I was not super thrilled with. But yeah, they do do a lot. They, they did do a lot better with it. Partially because they understood what they were doing, right? You like you really right. have two different classes of cards, and so everything that you play when it takes your turn, it feels like some big powerful thing stomping across the battlefield. Whereas Star Trek had you have one character who's just 17 times better than another character, but <laughs> both of them are your play for the turn. Yeah, that's that's very true. Epic constrained their design in that way, understanding what it meant. Star Trek constrained their design in that way, not understanding what it meant. Uh, I think, at least. I, I agree. All right, so let's make sure to go back and, and hit the high points. Where are you? We've got Star Realms Rescue Run. It's releasing on November 15th, you said, right? This episode might or might not be out before then, but uh, it, it will be out before next weekend on the, the 18th. So if you're going to the uh, the White Wizard Con in in Boston, you can look for John there. Anything else we needed to, to cover before we sign out here, John? 
that's it for my book uh, if it's out when this is up. And thank you very much, Chris. It was fun talking to you. Yeah, heck, heck, you can look for it even even if it's not the 15th yet. I hear that Amazon takes pre-orders. That's a good point. And if you're on Prime, it won't matter that you're just buying one book. <laughs> so, okay. Thanks for, for coming on, John. You've been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming and related novels podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there or on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite pod-catching service is. You can find us on the usual social media. We're at Strange Assembly on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Strange Assembly. I always like to hear from our readers and listeners, so you can reach me. I'm Chris at StrangeAssembly.com. But until then, for John Delarose, I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming.